Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Hey, Connect. It is good to be with you all. As uh, the last couple of weeks, our family's gone through a pretty big transition. We got to welcome Abigail into our family. Here's a picture. I think we got a picture of Abigail. She's not a runner. Not yet, at least. (laughs) Maybe she'll run one day. There she is. So this is our daughter. It's our third daughter, Abigail. And I am yet again a proud dad. Uh, And as we've been adjusting to this new rhythm of life as a family of five, as a church family, what we've been doing is we've been figuring out what does it look like to live well when it comes to finances? Tyler shared about wise giving, then Alex shared about wise saving. And it's it's a good thing to talk about because finances is, is one of those areas of life that if left unchecked, could very easily trip us up along the way. And we don't want to be tripped up along the way. We want to get to the end of our life, and we don't want to look back with regrets. We want to be proud of the life we lived. We want to, you know, have lived well, lived wisely. Now, before we move on from this, like, mini-series of sorts in finances, giving, saving, we got to talk about one other area of life. Uh, specifically in the realm of finance, before we, before we move on. You see, how do we live well on the rest? Like, what does that look like? Because we can be giving, we can be saving, and yet we could feel like we're financially drowning. And who wants to feel like that? How does this happen? Well, Dave Ramsey, a financial expert, he says it's because of this. We spend money we don't have to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't even know. Okay, I've lived in other parts of the country. I've lived in other parts of our state. And nowhere have I felt the pressure to try to keep up with the Joneses like I do here in South Denver. I feel this with the house that we have. Like, I want a finished basement. I want a bigger garage. I feel it with the car that I drive. Like, I want a a new car with the latest tech features. I I feel it with the clothes that I wear. I want to wear this brand for that and that brand for this. And when I look around, when I stop looking at others and I look around at the life that, that God has given Amanda and me, I realized very quickly, I'm incredibly blessed. We are incredibly blessed. We're not rolling in it, but we have a roof over our head. We have two cars that can get us around town. We have multiple outfits to choose from each morning. And yet I I feel this pressure, this, this need for more to keep up with my neighbors, the people I see at Starbucks and, and others. So I'm tempted to spend money I don't have to buy things I don't need and impress these people that I may or may not know. I don't know if you can relate to that, but how do we move from this this financial angst to a life of financial freedom where there's margin and we don't feel the, the pressure 
of it all. Well, the, the path to financial freedom is revealed in God's Word, and we've seen the, the first couple steps along that path in the last couple of messages. Today, we're going to look at that, that final step of how do you live well on the rest? And to do so, we're going to look at Proverbs 21, verse 5. So if you've got a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to Proverbs 21, 5. Now, if you don't have a Bible with you, it's all right. We've got free Bibles in the back. You're happy to you know, help yourself to one of those. Or you can download our free church app and follow along in the message notes. Under the message notes, you will not just find links to each of the passages today. You'll actually find a couple additional links to some of uh, some resources from Dave Ramsey and his team uh, of financial experts. So those are going to be like a supplement to what we're talking about today from God's Word. Well, before we jump into His Word, let's pause, let's pray, and let's ask to hear from Him now. Lord, would you please speak? Would you speak through your word? Would you speak through this message? And would you help us learn to live wisely, uh, specifically in the, in the realm of spending? Can you show us what it looks like to spend money wisely so that we don't have this angst and instead we could experience the financial freedom that, that your word invites us to experience? So please speak now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, picking up, Proverbs 21, verse 5 teaches us this. The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. When it comes to money, uh, we'd all rather have profit than poverty characterize our story, right? The problem is, many of us will sabotage our own story because we try to take a shortcut, We cut corners in business. We lie on our taxes. Or maybe we finance it instead of saving for it. Whatever it is, we we seek this immediate gratification. And the immediate gratification is great. But it's as short-lived as the shortcut we took to experience it. This is why Proverbs 13.11 says this, Dishonest money dwindles away. But whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. It's not dishonesty, but diligence that makes money make money. And earlier in this series, we talked about diligence when it comes to our character and how we go about work. And what is diligence? Diligence is the discipline to do that important thing, even when it's the difficult thing. Now, what is uh, the difficult thing, yet important thing that we should be pursuing when it comes to finances? Well, give first, save second, and then the third is to live on the rest. It takes incredible discipline to not overspend, does it not? Or am I, am I the only one who feels this way? I mean, this diligence means we can't buy the new shoes, the new purse, the new TV, Because we have to wait until we actually have the money to purchase it. And who likes waiting? I hate waiting. Which is why we didn't when we moved out here and had to get some new couches. You see, when we sold our house in Maine, we sold our couches to the new buyers. Pretty good gig. Well, when we came out here, we now needed to buy some new couches for the house. Now, my parents, who are in a different season of life, different financial position than us, they had just redone their living room and they got some new couches from Lazy Boy, and Amanda and I loved them. So, 
we're under contract on our new house and we got to get some couches. We know it's going to take some time for them to be delivered. So we go while we're waiting to close in this house. And we go and we look around and it honestly, it took a couple of trips to Lazy Boy to, to figure out what we wanted and the fabric and all the things. And once we figured out what we wanted, we go to, to check out. And the salesman says, would you like to just, you know, finance it for 0% interest for three years? Now, typically, we wouldn't even entertain this kind of an offer because we know that we shouldn't, but we're thinking, you know what? We have a lot of other purchases we need to make. We're moving into a new house. Like, we're going to have to, you know, buy this and that. You know what we can do? Let's just, uh, we'll finance it, and we'll just, we'll just do that small monthly payment each month, and we'll use the money we were going to use for the couches to buy these other things instead. Now, even though that was just like a $100 a month couch payment, I quickly learned the truth of this next proverb. This is Proverbs 22:7, and it, and it says this, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. You see, in the months that followed, Amanda and I felt very constrained by even this small $100 a month couch payment. There were other opportunities that came up, like outings with friends or other purchases we needed to make, and we didn't want to keep that snowball rolling down the hill, so we had to say no to these things. We had to say no to good things because we had said yes to this couch payment. And what I learned is that when we say yes to debt, what we're saying no to is freedom. And that's a lesson I've learned, and it might be a lesson that you've learned too. Or maybe it's a lesson that you are learning because if you owe money to anyone for anything, you're in debt. In fact, 77% of American households have some kind of debt. The average debt one of us would have is $58,604. Isn't that crazy? And then you know, you're like, oh, maybe I'm on the high end of that. Or maybe you're on the low end of that. Fifty-eight thousand six hundred and four dollars. Now, what does this look like practically? Well, here's what it looks like. Because we said yes to this degree at that school, we have to say no to staying home with our kids. Or because we said yes to this vacation, we're saying no to saving for retirement. Because we said yes to this car payment, we're saying no to generous living. Friends, how long is it going to take us to learn that money is a great tool but a terrible master. Finding ourselves a slave to the lender, we figure that the solution to our problem is just making more money. Like, because we can't manage what we have well, if we could just make more of it, our problem will be resolved. No one would state it like that because we're all smart adults. We know that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and again, expecting different results. Making more money is not going to solve our money management problem. But if we can solve our money management problem, we will probably make more money. And think about the lives we could impact, the churches we could start, the ministries we could fund, the legacy we'll leave, the glory God's going to receive when we manage His money His way. Because ultimately, all of this is His anyways. He gave us the skills, the, the gifts, the abilities to make whatever we make and then to manage whatever we're supposed to 
manage. Now, what does it look like to manage money God's way? Well, we go back to Proverbs 21.5. says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. This means haste can no longer characterize our money management. Whether it's dishonesty or it's debt, that can't be our story if we're going to manage money God's way. And, and since we seek profit, not poverty, we need to be diligent in how we manage the money that is entrusted to us. Now, this means that we're going to need to do our due diligence to understand how God wants us to manage His money. What does that look like? Well, it's outlined in His Word. And the last couple of messages, along with this one, we're going to see God's financial plan. All right? Tyler gave step one, giving because it demonstrates our trust in God. Then, saving, because that's wise. But then, there should probably still be some others, other money that, that we live on. This is what we spend. But how do we, how do we spend it well? So that's what we're going to talk about the remainder of our time. All right? And I'm going to call these the ABCs of wise spending. Okay, not because I'm a financial expert, but because this is what God's Word maps out as a wise way to manage and spend the money God entrusts to us. All right, and it starts with this, assess your assets. Jesus was once teaching a crowd that was all around him. And he was teaching them about following him, but he used a money illustration to illuminate what wisdom looks like. And he said this, this is in Luke 14. Jesus said, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. As embarrassing as this scenario is that Jesus painted, it makes me wonder how many of us would have someone look at us and say, look at them. They're spending money they don't have to buy things they don't need. If you've never assessed your assets, it's really wise to assess your assets. It's hard to manage something if you don't know what you're managing. So before you go forward, you got to have a clear understanding of the starting line. All right. Uh, what's coming in? Income could be a, a side hustle, could be your full time job, could be whatever. And, and then what debt do you owe? Car payments, mortgage, student loans, credit cards, etc. What does that look like? And then, what investments have you made? Properties that you own, your stock portfolio, your retirement account at work. Like, what, what is the lay of the land? What's your financial landscape? Because once you have assessed what is, then you can manage it well. Which kind of leads us to number two, which is build a budget. Back in Proverbs, now Proverbs 27, it says this. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. For riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. When the hay is removed and new growth appears, and the grass from the hills is gathered in, the lambs will provide you with clothing, and the goats with the price of a field. You will have plenty of goat's milk to feed your family and to nourish your female servants." 
building a budget accounts for all of these things. What's coming in, what's going out, the investments that you've made. And when I was just a kid, my parents taught me how to kind of live on a budget. Now, I didn't have a spreadsheet or anything like that. They just gave me three envelopes. One envelope was for giving. That was money that I was supposed to give to the church when I received my allowance. Another envelope was for saving. That was for a car and then one day college. And then the third was my favorite. It was the spending envelope. I could do whatever I wanted with this money. All right, so I had a giving, a saving, and a spending envelope. Now, our budget just looks a little more complicated with utilities and mortgage, those kinds of things. So we don't use envelopes, literally. We actually use an online software called Mint. It's free, and that's just what's helpful to us. You don't have to use Mint. You don't have to use envelopes. Maybe you use a Google spreadsheet, whatever it is. Get an accurate lay of the land and then build a budget because it's in the context of a budget you're going to be able to manage the money that you have well. And once you, you build the budget, here's number three, cast off comparison. Nothing kills contentment faster than comparison. And that's why when Paul is talking about living in light of the gospel, living in light of this good news of Jesus, Paul says this in Galatians 1. He says, am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. One of the freedoms that we have as a, followers of, as a follower of Jesus is that we don't have to seek the favor of others anymore. Like our worth, our value, our significance doesn't come from what others think of us. We know that God loves us. He loves us fully. He loves us completely. He loves us unconditionally. Now, in light of God's goodness, in light of His grace, in light of His love, we, we get to be transformed by Him working in us. So no longer are we going to pursue what, what others are pursuing. We get to pursue what He wants us to pursue. We don't have to conform to the Joneses. We can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So stop chasing the Joneses. If no one's ever told you, like, you don't have to. And even at the end, say you catch them. At the end, then what? Oh, while chasing the Joneses leaves us discontent, chasing Jesus leads to contentment. He alone is where we're going to find true joy and true happiness. So with this new mindset, because of what God's doing in us, what's next? For delete debt. We read it earlier in Proverbs 22, but I'm going to read it again now because it's a good reminder. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Following Jesus frees us from the bondage of sin. Okay, We no longer have to, to be held back by our past, what we've done, what we said, what we didn't do, what we didn't say. Jesus frees us from that. And His Word maps a way for us to live financially free. Like we don't have to be in bondage to the lender, to, to debt. So instead of spending money that, that we don't have to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't know, we can live within our means. We can save for it instead of financing it. We can pay down our debt. I know $58,604, that's daunting. If you're on the high end, that's even more daunting 
but it's daunting. So where do you start? I've heard this principle time and again, and the idea is that you pay off the smallest debt, and then whatever money you're contributing to that and the debt you're, you know, you roll it in and you pay off the next debt, and then you roll it in and you pay off, and it's called the debt snowball. Kind of famously makes sense. It rolls down the hill, it picks up momentum, and the amazing thing is, they end up out of debt a lot faster than you ever thought possible. So instead of looking at how am I gonna get through all this, Take one small step and be really diligent about that thing, paying down that debt, and just see what God does as you, as you follow Him in this area of your life. Now, it should go without saying, but as I shared just a moment ago, uh, even when you're not in debt, it can be tempting to like, oh, I'll just go enter that pool again because you forget what it feels like. But when you're, once you get out of debt, stay out of debt. Like, don't, don't, don't bite for that. Don't go for it. It's not worth it. Just talk to a friend who has debt hanging over their head and they can be a good reminder why. All right, the fifth point is this. We shouldn't have to be a slave to our money. Actually, money should work for us. It should, should build wealth over time. The fifth principle is this, earn extra. Okay, Proverbs 13, 11 teaches us, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Now, at first, this could be the side hustle that helps you pay down the debt. Over time, maybe it's working with a financial advisor who helps you make strategic investments so that your money can build wealth over time. Even when Amanda and I, we were, when we were just starting out, I was a grad student working a part-time job in a church. She was a night nurse at a hospital. We had this goal, especially Amanda had this goal of moving into our first house one day. And we met with a financial advisor because we wanted to have whatever we could save compound just a little bit, all right? So we met with a financial advisor from our church and he gave us some wisdom and we started to save for our first house. Well, when I graduated, we moved to Maine and shortly thereafter, we got to put a down payment down on our very first house. If you saw the picture, Amanda's beaming, like we're, we're realizing this goal come about. And it was the fruit of following God's principles for finances very diligently. We lived on a very tight budget in that season. And the amazing thing was that <laughs> um, over time, like we lived in Maine for four years, and over that time, God had that house appreciate and appreciate and appreciate. We didn't even know. We were doing nothing. We were just paying our mortgage, and it's appreciating. And then when God calls us to move back to Colorado, to start Connect Church, we go to sell our house and what that enabled was actually for us to be able to live here where the cost of living is so high. So we just, we praise God for His, his sovereignty, His moving in that whole process. And the amazing thing is we had a little part to play in that. We just tried to follow His principles for finances and then now we're joining Him in, in this and what He has for us here in South Denver. Now, please hear me in this. The goal of all of this, all right, all, all three of these money messages, all right, the goal is not to be financially rich. It's not the goal. If you want that to be your goal, there's someone else you can listen to and go try that, okay? Our goal is to be financially free. 
Because you see, God's will for us is not to be in bondage, not to be in bondage to sin, not to be in bondage to debt. God is going to provide what we need for what's right in front of us. We've seen it time and time again in this church planning journey. We have big dreams, big hopes, what could be. But we know what God does, God provides what we need. He provides our daily bread. And again and again, we see him show up. And again and again, our faith grows. And again and again, we grow in our relationship with him. You know, uh, many of you, you know Jake and Jordan. They were part of Connect for a very long time, up until a couple weeks ago. And what you might not know is that uh, Jake and I were part of the same church in Maine. And in that season, our church did uh, a little bit longer, but like a money series. And we talked about God's will and plan for finances. And that series, along with some study that Jake and Jordan did, they, they just wanted to understand, like, how do we live wisely? And once they kind of learned the principles, they had a decision to make, a really tough decision to make. It, they decided to live it. They decided to, to give back to God through his church. They decided to save for the future, to pay down the debt that they had from school. I had no idea any of this was happening, like in their lives personally. But then, right after they paid off their debt, I had again no idea about this. That was when God put it on my heart to give Jake a call. We had already moved back, but I, I called Jake and I say, hey man, what would you think about moving out to Colorado to help start Connect with us? And the rest is history. And even as, as they moved back just a couple of weeks ago to Maine, I'm still excited to see what God does through their lives as they continue to follow God's will in way for them. If these messages on money have revealed uh, some growth opportunities for you, maybe some things you got to work through, I would encourage you to, to do that FPU class that we've got coming up. It doesn't start tomorrow, but it starts next Monday, eight days from now. And we'd love for you to be a part. Alex is going to be leading it, and it's going to be a conversation with people who are looking to experience financial freedom and do it by learning from one another. When it comes to money, here's what you can bank on. God's financial plan is the path to financial freedom. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for mapping out your will and your way in your word. It's different than what we're sold in commercials. It's different than even what we're taught at times. But Lord, we thank you for the wisdom of it. Would you help us to have the diligence? Would your spirit give us the strength and the diligence to, to do what your word says? And as we follow you, would we grow in our relationship with you? And we, would we be able to join you in your work in new ways, ways that, that feel outside of, of the realm of possibility from where we sit today? We surrender ourselves to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.